0: Hey guys, welcome to the iHealth Podcast. This podcast is for you to relate to like-minded individuals discussing hot topics all related to rehab, sports, fitness, and business. Brought to you by Iron Health of Westchester, New York. We hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, so welcome to the Powered by Iron Health Podcast. We have a special guest, JP Aguirre. uh, On our podcast today, he played in the MLR. A lot of experience throughout uh, rugby history um, between playing overseas and here in the U.S. Um, so it's really great to be able to have him on and welcome over to the uh, Iron Health podcast. Thanks Tom, thanks. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So JP, go ahead and dive into kind of where you came from, how you got into rugby and kind of the history behind all that. Well, so I'm originally from Argentina, Buenos Aires. Uh, lived there all my life.
1: I uh, started playing rugby when I was 12. I used to play soccer growing up, like so- soccer is massive in Argentina, so if you didn't play soccer, you kind of didn't have friends. Yeah. So my first sport was uh, soccer or football, how we call it over there. Till so I was like 12 years old. Um, then I moved into the city. I used to live in the suburbs in Buenos Aires. Then I moved into the city and changed of high schools. Went to a different high school and everyone in that high school played rugby. Um, so yeah, I decided to give it a try. I never heard about it before that, like soccer was like my main thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was, like, okay, give it a shot, like start to make some new friends or whatever. And um, yeah, that's how it started. remember, yeah, my first game when I was 12, uh, literally first game ever, I broke my collarbone. Okay. Um, and I was like, <laughs> never mind, this is not my sport, like I'm not going to play again. Uh, thanks to my coach back then who came to my house like literally every week I asked me how I was and and like motivated me to like keep going and yeah also the 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 boys in the in the in the team helped me out to like recover and like Be part of the team even if I was injured so I like that part of rugby so I like, kept going
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's a huge portion of rugby that um, I think soccer kind of has a lot of it but there's a few other sports that like are missing that and it's that like kind of your, your family when you're yeah, part of yeah, a rugby team yeah, is like sure. everyone just kind of like you got each other's backs. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter who, what, where you come from. Like once you're on a team, like you're just brought on. Yeah, um, agreed. so I, I definitely like that. I consider it like a brotherhood type deal. Yeah, so. 100%, 100%. Um, It's kind of dangerous sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially when like you have a lot of guys that like every once in a while, like we had, um, Brock, uh, last year, I remember we were playing against uh Nyack mm-hmm. and, wow. uh, Brock ended up getting hit in the knee because he's a big dude. So, of course, like the only area to hit him is into his knee and his patella, like there's photos of it as you to see his patella immediately like go the other way. And um, and it was one of those moments that like a few guys immediately jumped over because like, as you know, like rugby just keeps going. Yeah. There could be a guy down and you're still playing. Yeah. And so I remember he was down. We had like... Um, one of our forwards jumped off and then we had a back from the opposite side that our ball was on. He jumped off to be able to like stand with him and like try to take care of him. Yeah. Um, and it was like that moment that I was like, damn, this is nuts. Like we're in the middle of a freaking game and like we're still playing, but like we have guys that are still like taking care of him. And then immediately we had like a few of our guys like just offer instead of like, Hey, like don't take an email. It's like, I'll just drive you to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Yeah, this is stuff that like I wouldn't see in like a few other sports like I can think of like when I was a wrestler Like I'd get hurt and guys never cared about like you come off the mat and everyone was like Oh, it sucks that you got injured and like that was it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's crazy It is
1: well when I played soccer actually I was I was 10 10 years old I was a kid and Like you can hear the the parents because in Argentina Most of the people play soccer to make a living Mm. because it's really big over there and You can hear the parents like yelling to the kids like kick him yeah like injure them <laughs> so you can have the sport I was like yeah it's, it's not there that's nuts that's not is there. it?
0: Is it the same way with like rugby or is it different no no
1: it, no rugby yeah different. Uh, because it's not professional is that much yeah better. so it's more
0: like a yeah come out of the way and have fun yeah enjoy it yeah so jumping into like some of your history um Obviously, I know that a big portion of your history comes from um, Playing inside center. That's your main position. Yeah Um, So you started uh, with club I'm gonna pronounce this wrong Champagnat. Okay. Yeah, that's my high school and and club. Yeah, okay, and then from there you went on to uh, province, and then you were with the and the Argentina and the Junior World Cup Yeah, and then the Sud American uh, Cup in 2014?
1: Yeah, so when you play for your club, your club is part of a province. Uh, in Argentina, we have like 28 or 30 provinces, I don't remember right now. Um, so you represent like the best of the clubs, all the the same age, U18s, U19s. They represent their province. And then you, you play against other provinces, like Tucumán, Cordoba, they're pretty big provinces over there. Okay. Um, and yeah, so there's like a national competition after you play with your club and then from that competition They get their players
0: up represent the country the country, right? That's nuts. Yeah, so Basically like to be able to play in that like you have to be the best of the best, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay Um, And then you ended up coming to the US in 2016 to yeah, Lindenwood? 2016, yeah, exactly. How did how was that like that transition and everything? How did that feel? Uh, It was different, definitely different. I was playing.
1: uh, Well, the last thing I played back home was U20s with the Pumitas, so I played Junior World Cup. Well, after a few injuries, I couldn't make it to the squad to the second Junior World Cup, Um, and that's when my family decided to move to America during that period of time when I was like recovering from my uh, surgery. Um, I wasn't playing; I was just like training and like. Mm kind of like in a middle of what to do you know yeah. Um, so yeah my family decided to come here I took the opportunity to come with them I came with them and yeah it was it was definitely a different level coming from from u20s in the national team to at the I think it was a d2 yeah. for rugby
0: uh, back then um, yeah it wasn't great was it a difference so was it a difference because obviously and this is the one thing I hear from a lot of the guys I've talked to that have played MLR and a lot of them like for example uh, Callum he comes from Scotland and Mm -hmm. one of his biggest things was like um, and even talking to Mark um, who played like over in Britain he was like one of their biggest things was like the fact that like you come to the US and there's rugby is nothing basically yeah And so it's a lot of, like, you have guys that are, say, my age, our age, that are, like, just starting their rugby career, whereas you guys have 10 to 15 years of experience already. And so it's, like, you guys don't have to learn how to do a switch. You don't have to learn um, different plays or, like, how to keep your pod structure and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So is that – do you feel like that's the biggest, um, I guess, struggle of coming from, like, international to the U.S.? Um, in an MLR level, I don't think so. Uh, every
1: every ML player knows how to do switch. Every, they know the structure. They are professionals yeah. in a way. Um, but playing club, probably yeah. Yeah. When I when I was playing university, I was playing in Lindenwood, Belleville for one year. Uh, the structure over there wasn't the best, but they were like good athletes. Uh, the competition was good. It was good for like a first year for me to adapt. I, like, get involved with English, I started learning English. As soon as I came here, I didn't have, I couldn't, like, have a conversation yeah. first year. Um, so I think it was good for me, uh, personally. But, it's, yeah, if you're, if you're coming from the outside in a, in a top-tier league and you're trying to come to, like, a D1, D3 school uh, and you're focusing only on rugby, yeah, you won't have a good time. Yeah. Um, if you if you want to go to a d1 school probably like life Lindywood, uh the main campus um, Carl Berkeley UCLA that they have like a bigger structure, move around here mm. um, they have a bigger structure um, their players are more involved in a way they give scholarships as well yeah um, I think that's a better that's a
0: better atmosphere for a top level player okay. that's trying to come study over here. So jumping into your MLR, um, you mentioned that you got uh, brought into the US MLR in 2019 to Austin. Yeah, exactly. So how was that kind of run me through those years from uh, 2019 to 2021? Um, kind of what was that experience like playing in the, M- in the US MLR? Uh, it was good. It was good. I got picked by Austin.
1: Uh, I was still in school. I was still playing for Lindywood. Uh, About my eligibility right now, so they picked me. Um, It was it was interesting. Like I think it was the second year of the M L R, so everyone was kind of like young. Uh, Like the structure of the teams wasn't big. Uh, They were not bringing a lot of big names that they're bringing right now. Um, I think back then. The big name was Ben Foden. Yep, yeah. still is. Still, yeah, still, still kind
0: of holding that, that yeah. title.
1: Um, I'm trying to remember someone else, but no, I remember uh, when I played against New York, I was like, oh, I'm going to play against Ben Foden. Like, yeah. that's going to be cool." And then I end up being his roommate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, funny stories. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, I love the I, I love my first year in Austin. Uh, I love that city. Like, it was amazing. Okay. The, we didn't have the results that we wanted, but uh, I think like the group was, was strong and it made it enjoyable. Um, second year, I went to Rooney. Uh, that's when I when I met Ben and, and all the boys and I had load, already have like a bunch of friends mm-hmm. that play for Rooney because of New York, I, in the New York area. Yeah. Um, so it, it was fun. It was cool, but fun. Um, I better structure like, I think it was the thirty year of the league. Okay. Uh, the league was more structure, more teams, uh, more money to like, make the league grow in a way. Yeah. But then COVID happened and, yeah. Everything kind of took a hit. Everything took a hit. Then, in mm. Seattle, yeah, the league was just, it was already a teenager, yeah. a more evolved. Uh, they knew what they wanted to do, like the structure was way better, uh, fans were bigger, so. Yeah, I think it's it keeps growing, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So and this is a question that I kind of had For a little later, but um, since we're kind of on the topic of the US MLR Mm -hmm. Where do you see because I'm sure that you know that like at one time There was the attempt for the MLR and then it kind of crashed in in the US and then we kind of picked it back up Where do you see the uh, future of the US MLR? Uh, I think think it has a lot of future Uh, like I said,
1: right now it's a teenager, right? It's like 4th 5th year of the yeah. league. Um, so they need to... They're trying, they're trying to go too hard, too quick. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they need to like set the base stronger and then uh, improve it year by year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it has a lot of future. The, the fans are getting involved, people are hearing about it big names are coming from all over all over the the world yeah Uh, so yeah i'm excited to see what's happening in next in the next 10 years
0: absolutely yeah um so during your past uh years of your career um i know that we went over kind of that you had your collarbone break um and you had mentioned that you had the injury kind of in between coming from international over to here Um, So what was kind of run me through those injuries and how you feel it was kind of a setback and how you feel like you overcame those injuries as well? Uh,
1: Well, the first one was the collarbone, uh, my first game ever. Uh, That was a short one, but I was young. I was like, I don't want to get injured playing the sport. But then friends and everything like make it better. Uh, Then I had plenty more like my nose. Ankles, little things like that. But uh, yeah, the yeah. biggest ones I had was my left shoulder. I broke my labrum, okay, and I needed surgery. So it was like six, seven months of recovery, and it was it was actually right before playing uh, the Junior World Cup in 2013. Um, but I didn't want to have surgery. Going into the junior world cup because I, w- I was gonna miss it, so I played the whole junior world cup with my shoulder um, like broken, <laughs> basically, <laughs> um, but with tape and like medicine and all that, I was fine. Uh, after the junior world cup, got surgery uh, because I played. I don't know if I told you this. I played my first junior world cup being 19. Okay. So I was eligible to play another junior world cup. The, the a year after, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna get my surgery now. Got six, seven months of recovery, going back to play, being able to play. Uh, I'm gonna be able to play uh, the next one. Um, so I did everything, did the surgery, did the recovery, and then when I get back to play, I play three uh, games with my club. Okay. And in the third game, I broke it again. Oh man. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then, apparently, like, exploded everything, so they had to, like, rebuild everything in my left shoulder, and it was, like, eight, nine months of recovery. Uh, It was tough, because I I was planning ahead and planning to, like, go to the second Junior World Cup, and I was already talking with teams in in France, like, in England, I was like, okay, like, I'm going to be a professional rugby player, right? And, And then this happened, and it kind of, broke Ooh, everything yeah broke that like ruined the plans if you want to say it that way um, so yeah and then while I was recovering the second time my dad got an offer here and we
0: decided to come here that's awesome yeah so coming over here um, what do you feel like currently because I know that you're you were with old blue and right now you're kind of looking at what's the next steps um, so what do you feel like is that next goal for you with rugby or, um, is it, is it going to be continuing at rugby or do you have like other kind of, well, I, I actually have a lot of, uh, other goals, uh, outside
1: rugby, rugby, I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely my passion mm-hmm. right now and that, that I'm young. I want to keep doing it at least for a few more years. Um. But I have bigger goals. I have a. Uh, um, I may try a little bit of coaching, like university, mm-hmm. and um, it's not coaching like universities, but like helping out yeah. uh, young kids and the community. It's like, like training camps, training camps, yeah. but like um, like a non-profit type of thing. Mm-hmm. Just to, like make rugby bigger in America. Yeah, uh, I think has a lot of potential, and and I want to be part of it. Um I also I'm into fashion so I wanna do my own clothing brand. Okay. Um uh, and then the brand is not gonna be just clothing, it's gonna be like uh, the same brand we'll have like a gym, we have like fifty therapists and mm-hmm. uh, when you can go and like do your uh, recovery. Uh, it will have coaches under under the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's the bigger picture. That's awesome. Yeah. I
0: also saw that uh you dabble a little on the DJ uh, DJing side. I do yeah,
1: I do <laughs> I do that as a hobby. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. saw the uh the video that you had in uh Dumbo, uh where you did your, uh, your yeah. live.
1: <laughs> yeah, the cops called me and shot me down. Yeah.
0: But... How was that? Was um, it like 'cause I saw like I watched a little bit of and I saw people like kind of got into it and then Yeah,
1: so well, during qu- quarantine, I was I was in New Jersey with my family for like three months, and I didn't have a clue what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started a YouTube channel with my siblings. It bas- it's basically mine, by the way, helping me out. Um, yeah, over there, I just like record some workouts, uh, chat with friends, doing s- stuff of my daily days. But like... You good? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, keep doing that, and record some like DJ sets and like weird locations. Yeah. And when I tried to do it in Dumbo, uh, apparently I couldn't do it. <laughs> or you need like a pyramid or something like that. Yeah. So 10 or 15 minutes into the mix, I was like, the cops came and like literally called me like, you need to cut it. I was
0: like, alright. Just immediately like, oh, alright. I guess I'll like just stop yeah. this. Like, it's, it's nuts because like you see so many things like throughout New York and you're like, yeah, you don't say anything about that, but then like, I'm I'm doing nothing. Yeah, I'm just you like know what's the real thing?
1: It's like I, I was not even playing the music out loud. Yeah, it was just recording on the computer, and I can the only way I can hear it is but through my headphones. Headphones, and I was like,
0: "There's no, it's not even a noise complaint." <laughs> like that's nuts. That's all right. this is what it is. So uh, we can jump over to uh, favorite teams, um, and since you played soccer initially. Um, who would you say that your favorite team is on soccer side and then MLR whether it's international or US uh, soccer well I had to go
1: to my hometown team Rio plate okay uh, that's my yeah my team from Argentina okay um, and then rugby I always want when I was young I always wanted to be part of the stuff from Seth mm-hmm uh, in Paris, so I think that's yeah, that's my favorite team even though they're not doing great right now. Yeah, I feel like
0: Yeah, that's my favorite team now. I know I know you travel a little bit So have you gotten out to uh, Paris to be able to watch them like in person? Yeah, I watched it a few times I actually play against their academy as well. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome So yeah. like is, is their academy similar to, like how Rooney has their academy? Uh, Yeah, but a lot higher. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're really good Um, so Uh, to kind of slowly start wrapping it up Um, so obviously uh, rugby's got a lot of different avenues that we've had um, throughout the US um, and we've had a lot of growth to the US seen kind of on the premiership because obviously this past fall you played in ARP um, how do you feel that like kind of the structure of the the growing of like the under stages because obviously we have the MLR on the US um and essentially premiership is your top level next to being able to jump into yeah. mlr how do you feel because there's all different divisions between east coast west um and even like southeast how do you feel that that's developing and do you feel like there's um a lot of enough hype around the sport there to be able to have the players that are developed here in the US to go into the US MLR. Mm-hmm. Or do you feel like it's gonna we're gonna continue seeing a trend of like international players coming over to the US MLR? I think they're gonna be a lot of international players at least for the first
1: five ten years. The next five ten years, um, there's a lot of people doing stuff for the community. I like to increase uh, the knowledge of rugby and like kids. Uh, but we need way more. I think we need way more in in the US. Um, And that's another thing, there's no hype about it. There's no promotion, it's just like coaches and people that are willing to help go into places, but there's not like a big deal about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, like yeah, the media, it's it's really important, social media as well. Um, uh, Yeah, we need more channels to to make rugby expand, uh, yeah, expand in, in America.
0: Yeah. yeah, I definitely I feel like one of the biggest, um, I would say, uphill battles that rugby has in the U.S. is the fact that we have the NFL. We have, like, what America considers football. Um, and one of the unique things that I, I always try to, anytime somebody asks me, they're like, oh, what's rugby? And some of them may have seen like friends where like they have the episode where uh, they played rugby in there yeah. and they still don't really understand the sport. And I'm like, and they're like, Oh, so it's, it came from football. And I'm like, ah. I was like, rugby came from soccer. And then football developed from rugby yeah. and soccer kind of together. Um, but I definitely, I feel like having the NFL having football here in America with how big it is, how much money's behind it it's that's going to be like the biggest battle because you have i can either wear pads or i can go and play a different sport without pads um so and for me i've played both i don't know if you've ever played football but i feel like for me it's like one of those things i I gravitate more towards the rugby side Mm -hmm. because i enjoy how fast the structure has to be like you hit a guy and you could lose like you're on the ground but the ball can is still in play yeah and you could have a guy reach over and poach the ball and then all of a sudden take off and still run um, on top of it. Like, there's just, like, different things like that. Um, but I definitely feel like that's, like, the biggest thing. But to kind of go off of what you were saying, mm-hmm. with football, you have all these, like, smaller programs for the youth. Um, you have a lot of hype around you it. You have and the hype, playing. yeah, that's, that's what it matters. So, like, the
1: kids wants to be in the highlight reel. Yeah. Like, they want to play in a stadium with, like, Sixty thousand people. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's a long way to go, but I think it's it's it's
0: possible. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, going on to my favorite team, I love the All Blacks. <laughs> okay. Um. So, and obviously they have the haka that they perform. Um. Do you have Do you have a favorite haka that you've seen a team over international do?
1: I think uh, a lot of people are gonna hate me because of this, but I think the Haka they perform against England mm-hmm. and just the intensity from both sides yeah. in, the, in the in the World Cup, right? When England beat uh, New Zealand, yeah, I think you can see in uh, New Zealand's like in their faces yeah. that they were feeling the challenge, yeah, from from England, and they were not happy.
0: Yeah, so was that the one where England crossed the line?
1: I don't think they crossed the line. I think they did like a triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An invert triangle
0: or something like that. Yeah. I, I watched that one. That one was yeah. like, you just like, and for those of you that haven't watched uh, haka's, I recommend watching the YouTube video of a haka because like, you'll just get chills the minute that you see like any of the haka's being reformed because yeah. it's like the intensity and like when you see like, for example, like TJ usually is the one that's like putting on the Hakkas yeah. for like uh, all, uh, New Zealand. And like when you see him like out there and you see all the other guys faces like you're like sitting there and you're like Yeah, I don't I don't want to go up and against any of those <laughs> like they're, they they're scary <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh,
1: So I never got I never got uh, the all-backs perform a hacker in front of me, but mm-hmm. I remember playing against a, a club from New Zealand when mm-hmm. I was in high school and I think every team from New Zealand that go abroad they do a hacker. Yeah, so they perform a hacker against us and uh, It was teenager kids. It's not the same, right? Yeah.
0: But it was still like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like this is intense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, So jumping to the last question I have. So we've discussed kind of favorite MLR teams, um, favorite haka's. Do you have a player that you, once you started getting really into rugby, um, do you have a specific player that you watched consistently or did you have just – kind of different teams that you focused on? Um, well, no, I think I, I follow
1: players, more mm-hmm. than teams, uh, even more in my position. Uh, growing up, I was a big fan of uh, Manonu and Sonny Bill Williams. Okay. Um, I also, uh, I follow Dan Carter growing okay. up, uh, because I played 12, but I also played 10 sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilkinson. Uh, more of the classics. Yeah. Um, the, I feel like growing up, I'm, I was more into like watching and like learning about the the game, and now I'm more like to focusing on myself and how my mm-hmm. game is instead of like trying to perform like someone else. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, growing up, I watch a lot of those players.
0: I think that's something that I find common um, throughout a lot of the players that I've interviewed because I interviewed one of my friends played in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something similar. That he said he was like, you know, like growing up Yeah, you look at like all these other players and he's like, oh, I want to be like this and He goes and then once you get to that level he was like It's a lot more of how am I going to structure myself the way I want to be structured mm-hmm. and how am I going to perform the way? I want to perform. Yeah um, So I, I think that's cool that you like kind of already figured out like you have that structure and you're like yeah. I got to continue to focus on myself. Yeah, and you, you can see
1: those players as like but I'm not built like Manonu. I'm not yeah. Bill like Sonny Bill. Like, um, So I know I know my body, I know my abilities, I know my limits. And you guys have to work with that, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, with that, uh, that was kind of the end of our podcast. So I appreciate you coming on to our podcast. Uh, um So and if you ever end up having any chance to uh, watch some of JP's highlights um, or even jump over to his YouTube I'll put it into our uh, description and show notes. That way you guys can kind of find some more information about him. Um, so go ahead and check him out. So thank you again for coming She's on, still. JP. That no, was a legend. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, thank man. you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us today and listening to the iHealth Podcast. Visit us at ironhealth.co for resources and more information. Also find us on Facebook and Instagram at ironhealth.co. Keep moving and stay healthy.